0: Welcome to the Ultradent Products Podcast. Today's guest is Neil Jessup, who heads up Ultradent's Research and Development Department. Today, he will be discussing a study performed at the University of Iowa on the effect of depth and location on sheer strength of dentin. Neil, can you share with us the test that you performed with Dr. Dennehy and Dr. Vargas?
1: Sure. I'd like to go back in time a little bit. and address where we started with this pro- this project. Initially, we had, we in the research department had done years of testing on shear bond strengths, and we were under the same impression as many that, that bond strengths were uh, around 20 or 30 megapascals because of, that's what most of the research had pointed out. And it happened to be one Saturday that we were in the lab and I had machined out some teeth and decided to break them in comparison to our shear bond strength test. So basically shearing dentin versus shearing composite and came out with very different numbers. And that was the first point and that was about 1996 and we started looking for individuals who, could, who we could report this study with or, or, or look further into this with. And we ended up with Iowa because we felt they were a good, reputable, and credible uh, group of researchers out there. I have to also jump in and with the with the questions, is this even important? When we ask or talk about the strength of Denton, most people have their beliefs. They come in thinking that the, that Denton is around twenty or thirty MPA, and they believe this, as I've said before, because research has has said it is something like this. Um, and,
0: and why is research saying that it's twenty to thirty megapascals?
1: This is actually a, a good question. Uh, most people who do shear bond testing test in such a way that the composite ends up breaking, and a fracture comes out of the dentin. And they believe that the bond strength has exceeded the strength of dentin. And this usually happens depending on how the test is set up, from anywhere from 10 to 20, maybe even 30 MPA. Uh, and and I think it's important at this point that rather than just talk about MPA as numbers, we start to make this real for you. So what I would like to do is describe what an MPA is, and I think we can make this very very clean and simple for those of you who are listening. An MPA is simply a term we use that's like PSI, pounds per square inch, or kilograms per square millimeter. It's just another way of measuring force per area. We've used MPA because it's a, a nice scientific way for describing force per area, and in fact that unit of measurement is one newton, which is, happens to be about, be about one-fourth of a pound over one square millimeter. But this is still really hard to, to think about in these terms. So I need to give you guys a term that you can use or a way of visualizing this you can use to understand what an MPA is. If you were to take the shank of a low-speed polishing cup or burr, you have a cross-section or a diameter, I should say it this way, of about 2.31 millimeters. So you have a little circle there. If you apply one pound to this circle that is now 2.31, you have something that is very, very close to one megapascal. The Pascal term is just difficult for us to clearly visualize, but I think it's quite e- easy to visualize this other scenario where we have one pound over one low-speed shaft, that diameter, so when we bond a composite that is the same diameter as 2.31, now this isn't an exact measurement, but it's pretty darn close. When we put one pound over that 2.31, and I'll tell you the exact number, it's 2.38 if we were to do this, 2.38 millimeters, and we were to put one pound across that surface, we have one megapascal. So when we start talking about the tooth structure being 20 or 30 megapascal, you have to envision that what we've done is cut away the tooth and shaped it in such a way that there is a two point three three, eight millimeter diameter protrusion sticking out from this tooth. And we're now going to break this off. We're going to shear it off of the face of that tooth. So it's tooth structure from tooth structure.
0: So instead of having composite bonded to the tooth and testing the strength of the composite or the adhesive, You're just breaking tooth off from itself.
1: That's correct. That's perfect. And now, again, I want to make sure you keep this visual in your mind that this is about the size of your low-speed shank to your burrs or your polishing cups. This is something that every day you use. This is something that every day you will have the opportunity to, to really appreciate what one megapascal is. One megapascal is one pound on that diameter. And so when we start talking about 20 or 30 megapascals for Denton, this simply means we've got 20 or 30 pounds on that one, that diameter of that, of that low-speed shaft. So now, with a little bit of extra knowledge, now understanding what a megapascal is, I might be able to ask the question again, what is the strength of Denton? And many of you might choose, instead of this abstract number of 20 or 30 MPA that you've heard over and over, you might actually now have a way of understanding how strong the tooth is and, and choose a different number and when I, in fact I do ask this question I do get different answers so the first question I ask is how strong is Denton before you know or understand what a megapascal is and from that point I share what I've shared with you what one megapascal is and then I re-ask the question what is the strength of Denton and most of the time I get answers that are much much higher because what we're talking about is a substrate that you've cut every day, you've, you've scaled teeth, you've cut and restored teeth, you get a sense of how strong they are. So if I ask the question, how many pounds would dentin take if I machine out or shape the tooth in such a way that I have this 2.38 millimeter button sticking out from it, how many pounds would that take to break off? And at this point, the the answers that come back are generally much, much higher, and usually people are saying, well, maybe 50 or 60 MPa. What I want to share with you today is that it's actually a little higher than that, even uh, oftentimes much higher than this, but this is important because we need to know how strong a tooth is that we are repairing. We want to know how strong those strengths are that we're trying to get back to. And so instead of believing that 10 or 20 or 30 MPA is okay from a marketing standpoint that, the, that we hear reported on a regular basis, you might now come away with a different impression. So what is the strength of dentin? What we've learned with the researchers at Iowa, that would be Dr. Dennehy and Marco Vargas, is that when we machined these specimens, we sent out teeth that that we had machined at Ultradent, and we performed these tests in shallow dentin, less than one millimeter away from the dentin enamel junction, middle dentin, halfway between the dentin enamel junction and the pulp, and deep dentin, about one millimeter away from the pulp chamber. So we had those three locations, those three depths of, of specimens that we created. We also did facial surface of incisors and we also did occlusal surface. And what we learned is that the specimens averaged 99 MPA on molars. in fact, I believe the number is, MPI on molars. What I have to tell you is that I don't believe teeth are generally this strong. These were unerupted third molars, and when we have teeth that have had trauma and abuse, we're probably repairing teeth that are generally between 70 and 100 megapascals.
0: But that's still much higher than the numbers we assumed to this point.
1: That's right. We, we still have most people reporting numbers much lower than this and I think it is important that we reset the mentality out there that 10 or 20 or 30 MPA isn't good enough. We have to be repairing teeth back to their inherent strength if possible and so we should be looking for numbers that would be in the 60s, 70s and 80s and there are some products that can do this. Now we're specifically speaking of one kind of test. This is a shear test and it's not the most reliable or accurate test in the world but it does give us a very good indicator of where things are at there's there's no test that is perfect we have other people doing a micro tensile type test and in fact those micro tensile type tests are now coming back with similar numbers to this specific type of shear test there's a lot of different ways we can test bonds, and this particular way seems to be one of our more effective ways of helping educate the do's and the don'ts about bonding. And when we are talking about bond strengths, we really have to remember the strength of the tooth that we're bonding to and, how, and what we're doing to repair those, or to repair it back to its original strength.
0: And in fact, after this study, isn't it true that a lot of research groups and universities have started using the, quote, ultradent method of bond testing?
1: This is right. And even at this point, we have, I hope I'm not speaking too soon, but we have the ISO board looking at this method because it produces a more reliable or, I should say, a more consistent set of data and and can be reproduced in any different number of labs. It's easier to get this data to correlate outside from one from one research group to the next. And so it has become somewhat of its own standard and I'm pleased to say that we at and were able to innovate and push this this thinking and this education far enough along to where it is becoming accepted that teeth are stronger and helping you understand that these that teeth are something that because we understand how strong they are there's nothing we can put back that gives them their original strength. That We should be very conservative about removing tooth structure. At this point the question might come up well what's the strength of enamel and at this point where we try to machine these specimens out it's it's become almost impossible to get a good quality enamel specimen that will shear accurately in this test it, because of its brittle nature we don't get a good reliable test so these strengths that we're speaking of are dentin uh, the enamel is is more brittle and has different characteristics but we can say that we believe from the work we have done that the DEJ really is 60 MPA or above and and most likely uh, um, pushing again somewhere around 70 to 80 MPA but nobody's been able to do a perfect test of that interface so once again you see another goal to be shooting for when we're talking about adhesives that we should be shooting for the 60s, 70s, and 80s if products can do that that's what we need to be doing Uh, anything less than that is going to be restoring that tooth back to uh, weaker than or less than quality structure than, the, than what we desire.
0: Now, here's another question I've heard. How relevant are these numbers, strength of dentin, strength of enamel? How much force is actually going to occur in a patient's mouth?
1: No, oh, I really like that question. What we find out is every time we run one of these programs where we're talking about this subject is we get that question, that exact question. And it's an interesting question in that the... MPA measurement is a force per area and we know that uh, a human's average biting force over the incisors might be anywhere from 20 to 30 pounds over the molars it might be generally ranging from 40 to 100 pounds. This 40 to 100 pounds can be applied over a small surface area, a couple of cusp points, or it can be spread over a large surface area, similar to biting down into a gummy bear. And so we have this challenge of, of trying to relay this back to a clinical situation. People saying, well, you want me to believe that Denton's 70 to 100 MPA, well, how many MPA can the human bite? We need to relay this or tie this back. And you don't get a direct correlation. What we can tell you is that A 30 MPA bond is much, much less than desirable when we know that the tooth structure is around 70 to 80, and we know that teeth at 70 to 80 MPA survive the long haul for somebody's entire life. And so we would think that a 70 to 80 MPA bond would be sufficient to hold up in those conditions if everything else is working appropriately, if occlusion is functioning right. We know that people break cusp tips off and and break incisors and things, we can break teeth we can break anything we we put back in there but we believe that uh, this repairing of the tooth back to its original strength is one of our primary goals with adhesives and that we we have to always be looking for setting that bar a little higher than where it has been and to accomplish this to really get the quality we're looking for.
0: An interesting thing about this kind of testing and, and opening up the mentality on this the true strength of tooth structure is that it kind of put manufacturers in a place where they had to get out of their comfort zone. For so long, everybody's bond strengths were around 20 MPA because that was it. That was as strong as the tooth was, so they had arrived. And you get a test like this and show the actual strength of tooth structure and suddenly there's there's a bigger range.
1: This is I think a, an important thing to address, this arriving moment where people think that they had arrived. We spent a lot of years breaking specimens that every specimen broke out chunks of dentin and believed we had arrived and believed it didn't need to get any better than that. It was this moment of finding out that hey, maybe the tooth is stronger and maybe it's something wrong with our test that's... Uh, showing as an artifact that we're breaking teeth or breaking dentin and when we discovered this it immediately put us into a different mindset. We hadn't arrived. We had a goal that was much higher and in fact as I think at that point we at Ultradent had a goal that was higher than anybody else out there and it allowed us to do things with our adhesives and our development team that nobody else had before. I think there's been a lot of quality products and a lot of good chemistry going on out in the world but when your goal is set much much higher than anybody else you're bound to push to limits higher than anybody else and I feel like we've done a great job of that it's it's been rewarding and challenging at the same time to try to climb this ladder of getting to that next level and we still aren't openly I'll admit we still aren't to the strength of dentin with our adhesives but we are getting very very close now that's in a lab a lab environment Uh, outside a lab environment you have a lot of things that you will fight and contend, and that is this moist, wet environment. Uh, you're gonna have decalcified or demineralized dentin tooth structure. You might have sclerotic dentin, and you sometimes are going to be near the pulp, and you will have a lot of things going against you. But we need to share with you, and over time, we'll, we hopefully we'll have all those opportunities to develop products that are more user-friendly and, and giving you the right tools to get the job done to bring these, tooth, these teeth back to their inherent strength. I don't, by any stretch, believe we're there, but I do believe there are a good a lot of good products that can definitely give us quality and long-lived quality. We, again, this goal of 70 or 80 MPA for bonds is a big deal to me because it it imparts longevity. If we have the chemistries that will survive the moist, humid environment or being hydrated. Uh, then we are looking for products that that don't survive one or two years like many of the researchers believe. We have direct evidence and many, many quality practitioners that have composites placed for more than 10 to 15 years and are holding up very well. It's really knowing the set of rules that have to be followed to place a composite to get the quality bonding then we can get the trust that these products will last to an acceptable level to where we have faith in in the procedures and products that we're using. We we have to get to that point, but I have to go back. Understanding the strength of the tooth, the inherent nature of the tooth is primary in this. You can't go on believing that 20, 20 MPA is good enough. It's only through this kind of knowledge that we really can take those next steps forward in producing the quality restorations we want for our patients.
0: Now we talked about this test and the, the numbers you came up with and the strength of dentin, the strength of enamel. So after receiving the results from this test and understanding the true strength of tooth structure, you developed a new kind of test for adhesives. What's what's the difference between the ultradent way of adhesive testing versus the way that researchers have been testing adhesion before?
1: Well, in fact, the progress of our testing development went hand-in-hand hand with this research on the tooth stru- on the strength of the tooth structure. Uh, what we were doing was finding ways to get the composite to stop fracturing in our test and so we would get a reliable test that broke through the adhesive or fractured through the adhesive rather than the composite. What we learned was the fracture in the composite was directly related to the fracture in the dentin. So we'd start a fracture in the composite, it would migrate or propagate down into the dentin structure, g- passing right through the adhesive layer at one point. We wanted to stop f- that fracture from occurring in the composite first and so we could basically shear off or press off the composite in one whole piece and get an understanding of what the adhesive was really doing. And in that development we had several steps to progress through before we really got a clean test that we felt would allow different researchers and even lay people to get a clear understanding of what adhesives and, and, and shear strengths were all about. And what that was is simply we went from pushing off this little round cylinder that we've ta- described that's 2.38 millimeters, again similar to your low speed burr.
0: So previously you're using a straight blade?
1: Simply what that was is we used a different method of pushing off that little cylindrical specimen, um, that, that 2.38 diameter specimen, and we pushed it off with a notched crosshead or a notched piece of metal that was that was shaped precisely to fit that 2.38 millimeters. If you use a straight point or a straight crosshead to push that off, you end up with a high point load, a point load that is damaging to the composite up on the top of that cylinder where you're trying to push it off from. And what this. This notch allowed us to do was stop fracturing the composite, and at that moment when we started using a very precise fitting notch, we saw much lower dentin failures, and so the correlation really was immediate and very clear to us. Uh, it was it was the moment where we started seeing higher bond strengths, and when we started seeing higher bond strengths that were exceeding what we believed the strength of dentin to be, we started questioning, well, how strong is the tooth structure? And so we started pushing off the tooth structure with this notched crossed head, and, and we went from Larger diameter sizes, from uh, all the way up from about five millimeters diameter, all the way down to about 1.5 millimeters in diameter. And the the larger the specimen, the worse the results were because of the high high force load. It allowed or created fractures at the top of that specimen rather than pushing it off in one complete piece, that specimen would break or fracture and lead to those failures in the tooth structure. And so it was important for us to find an optimum that was easy to use for us uh, and for any researcher. Uh, and that optimum came out where we decided we wanted to use it as an educational piece. We wanted to give every end user the, the understanding of one pound over a certain area. And that's, that's so you can we all understand and think in pounds. Uh, unless we're in the UK or other parts of the world, we might think in kilograms and we can use a different calculation that way. But in, for all of us who think in pounds, we, this becomes such an easy thing for us to do. One pound over this 2.38 millimeter diameter, that, that was very important for us settling in on this. That is the reason for that 2.38 is to allow one pound to equal one MPA over that diameter, but using that Going any smaller or any larger, you can do it, and the the calculations come out. But the most critical detail is that you end up using a very precise fitting notch that actually encompasses the top half of that cylindrical specimen that you've created. And so in this way, we get a uniform pressure or stress over that shear surface area and not this single point load that ends up creating fractures and artificially making lower values. It's like putting a small fracture in, in a windshield, as you've all seen, and you watch that crack grow over a series of days. Well, we create a little crack in the composite and that is, it's an artificially low way of, of stressing the adhesive. It cracks the composite and the, and the crack grows on down and, and right on through the composite, even with very low force at that point to break the specimen off. When in fact the adhesive, if you're, if you're testing it as a whole, does a lot better than that. And, and under the calculation of one pound over that 2.38, you have to try to equally distribute that one pound over that 2.38 millimeter diameter.
0: So when you started testing all types of adhesives, ultradense and other manufacturers, with this notched crosshead, What did you find happened to the numbers? Oh,
1: wow, I'm so glad you actually brought this up. That was the exciting part, is we found that most products went up, but in fact, they didn't all go up at the same rate. Where we had been creating this artificially low fracture point on top of the composite, which ended everybody at these lower values, we found that there were some players that ended at 30 MPA, and some at 40, and some at 50, and even some at 60 MPA, really spreading out our window of resolution for determining what products were performing better or worse and so we we found that we we had room to grow and we did press the limits trying to give ourselves an edge understanding that we were shooting for 60 or 70 and so we've always had a goal that was higher and realizing that there were a lot of players now that were clear down there at 20 and 30 mpa it was a big deal for us to understand that we could be at the top of that list and to be maintained at the top of that list and that at you know a a 10 minute or a 24 hour or a one month or one year type test where we've waited that long to to fracture the specimens we bonded that we get clear and reliable data and this process really does give us that it gives us something that we can see if if a product is breaking down in moisture that we see that clearly at this point with this type of a reliable test whereas with an older type test using a straight contact we might not get that data
0: so the moral of the story is strength of tooth structure dentin is
1: Denton is about 70 to 100 megapascals. We can see it in the higher end, but more than than likely when we're repairing it, we'll be repairing teeth that have already had damage to them. So about 70 or 80 MPA would be a real average number we could could go against. And the closer you get to pulp, the tooth is probably still that strong, but you're going to have the tooth flexing and bending a little bit, and so you would expect lower values. But again, trying to repair the tooth back to its original strength, those are our goals.
0: Yeah, and there are adhesives that are striving for that in the market currently, and and you don't have to settle for a low bond strength adhesive product just because people think tooth structure is going to fracture at 20 megapascals anyway.
1: There are adhesives that definitely are shooting for that higher goal, and there are, I think, a lot of Uh, doctors who don't know the value of why we would we would even pursue higher bond strengths but at this point this is the reason when the tooth is as strong as it is we have to be looking for products that can bring us back to that there are a lot of products that are nowhere near this value and I know that it's hard for the end user to pick up a product and know where it really stands but with a little education and doing the right kind of homework we can you can usually find out what products are faring better and whether or not somebody is using our type of test here at Ultradent they still usually get a general ranking and you can see that products even if they all rank from 0 MPA to 10 MPA the the ranking still holds true most of the time, not all of the time. The places that it doesn't hold true is when researchers choose to use one composite with one adhesive and a different composite with a different adhesive.
0: You introduce too many variables.
1: That's right because, of again, this, the, the, every composite has a different amount of flexibility and when we start doing this test or loading the specimens, that composite will bend differently. So there, the, another moral of this story should be any composite will work with any adhesive, as long as we're talking about light cured materials, any composite will work with any adhesive. And the composite of your choice is fine, you don't need to worry about using some an exotic composite to get the high strength. They, they do all perform adequately as far as the strength characteristics go. What you will be looking for obviously is handling and aesthetic value and appropriate wear uh, control. So the the, the the research that you can read out there can be sometimes misleading if, if researchers have used different composites in their testing. Uh, there will be a lot of different information coming out that you can read uh, from different researchers and be- between averaging out what you read out there, you can find out that there are ranking uh, characteristics of the products that do hold true usually. So I, I would say that we should be looking for more strength, uh, understanding how strong the tooth is, but the ranking still is, is, is important and we can get a good, a good sense of what products are doing with that.
0: Great. Thank you so much for your time today, Neil. Thank
1: you. My pleasure being here.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast for a full archive of our podcast please visit podcast.ultradent.com. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for an upcoming podcast, please call us at 800-268-9010.